me and this other guy got John. Oh my goodness. This guy, uh, he could, he's like one of those people that just like comes out of the box ready to go, you know? Batteries fully charged. He just yeah. <laughs> immediately gets into the Uber and just starts. He launches into this fucking philosophy that he has about chips are all right. Some some sort of thing. What? Ab- about how, like, when they ask you if you want, like, uh, fries for, like, a couple bucks extra, and you, uh-huh. but it comes with chips to say the chips are all right. Basically to say, like, I'm fine with whatever. This kind of more laissez-faire philosophy, but he launches into this right when we get into the Uber. Oh, to the Uber driver, which was nice because he was in the front seat. Because there's three <laughs> of us, so somebody had to sit with the Uber driver. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is fine. But you're kind of out of the conversation. You're always kind of like looking back and be like, "What? What? What did you say? What was that?" Now, wait, where were you taking an Uber from? Broomfield. Oh. So it's a long ass Uber to the, uh, um, what's it called? Yeah, that's that's a long that's a longer Uber than I've ever taken for sure. You've never it's Ubered like a out road to road trip. You never Ubered out to um, Red Rocks. That's kind of a long Uber. No, I never did that. Yeah, I did that once too. I always had someone in the group willing to either a man up designated drive <laughs> or b designated drunk drive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah i was always fortunate enough for that (laughs) you're either the dd or the ddd yeah exactly (laughs) just depending on how the night goes (laughs) like i mean you know if you if you're not that person what difference does it really make to you you know (laughs) no you're not you're not going to jail although i did get stranded on the side of the road one time because Mm. (laughs) somebody got taken to jail for drunk driving Mm. and i was like well this is shit (laughs) just (laughs) What did you do? Did you get an Uber? Was this pre-Uber? Um, it probably was pre-Uber or pre-my thinking about Ubering. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I just, just called, uh, made one of my friends up, come pick me up. Set up camp. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> set up camp. Walked to the 7-Eleven, bought a pack mm-hmm. of cigarettes and a cool. couple of taquitos and just waited for them. Yeah. That's the, that's the only recourse, really. There's not a lot of people that'll pick up at 3 o'clock in the morning, but luckily I got one. <laughs> Welcome to The Radio Cure. I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week Jeremy Cohn and I talk about new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. This week we're talking about the dream pop duo Beach House. Their new record, Seven, may be the dreamiest of dreams they have dreamt in their 13-year career. That's next on The Radio Cure. Hey, Jerry. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Got my Red Bull uh, with my whiskey, which is kind of Whiskey Red Bull, a classic drink. But I I like it. (laughs) Have you mixed them or is that like a sip one, sip the other sort of situation? No, I mix them. And just put them in the a, same glass. I mean, obviously, like vodka Red Bull is a thing. Is whiskey Red Bull like uh-huh. a thing, or is this just something that you do? No, I, I just have I've... whiskey. That's all I ever drink is whiskey. Right. For some reason, cool. I've just settled on it. I don't know. You know, yeah, I feel like that at makes some point sense. in time, I don't really like bouncing back and forth. I don't mind a gin and tonic. Uh, a gin and tonic's probably my favorite cocktail. 
but I always go for the whiskey. I mean, I, it's very rare that I drink anything other than beer, but a G&T, that's mm-hmm. nice. Refreshing drink. It's nice. The problem is that you really need a lime for the, for the G&T. So oh, it's essential. Having that lime on hand, that's always crucial. Which, you yeah. know, fresh fruit, come on. Who really has that kind of shit around? No, it's like you. if you're going to have G&Ts at home, it's like a whole process. Because like who, also who the fuck has gin? And maybe least likely of all these things, who has tonic water? Yeah, tonic on water. On hand. You've got to go buy them all at the same time if it's going to happen. Tonic water, what a ridiculous thing. What's in there? That quinine? What is yeah. quinine? I have no idea, but it... It sounds some point like, time, a, I feel like, like Vietnam like, era, like chemical weapon or something. Yeah. It just seems like something that they like drank if they had an upset stomach or poured on wounds or <laughs> she's like, yeah, put a little tonic water on that. Yeah. There. <laughs> well, get me the quinine. <laughs> get me the quinine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you went to a concert last night that may have been revealed in the cold open. I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. But in case it doesn't. Now, let me ask you something. Ask me. Ask away. Was this technically a Christian rock concert? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think it is. I went and saw okay. Pedro the Lion. And a uh, funny story, uh, one of the guys that went with me was uh, talking about it, how uh, apparently he's he's been touring uh, just David Bazan for years. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Pedro the Lion was his first act. Uh, I suppose, or maybe there was one before that, but it was his first big act. Uh, yeah. And then after that, he just kind of toured under his own name, but still played Page of the Lion songs. I think he's got all the rights to the songs. And right. uh, he was uh, finding out that he could book Page of the Lion for a lot more nice. um, than David Bazan. So he just decided, like, well, I'll just do a tour as Page of the Lion then because I can get into bigger venues and booked. so it's just him and a couple of guys that he taught the songs to. It's not like Pedro the Lion, right? But Pedro okay. the Lion was basically just him anyway. So right, I th- yeah, I thought it was one. one of those like one person operations, like with a band name. I probably had like a band that toured with him. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's tough to say. I don't. He's not a Christian anymore. He's talked a lot about that in oh. his um, solo stuff. But I would say 50 to 75% of the people at the concert were probably Christian. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I mean, 25% uh, youth pastors, 25% <laughs> worship leaders. Um, <laughs> you know, I still think this probably isn't the case anymore, but I still imagine like youth pastors looking like they did when I was in like youth groups. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like was a very specific looking person. I'm sure they don't look like that anymore. But like uh, the like possibly like bleach blonde hair, possibly some puka mm-hmm. necklaces, uh, cargo shorts. And no, like. qu- quote unquote cool Christians basically look like me. Okay, they they have beards. They wear black glasses, uh, hoodies, mm-hmm. Chuck okay. Taylors. You know, yeah, that kind of, that kind of shit. That makes sense. Some approximation of what is like fashion, like casual, fashionable of the t- of the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they basically look like us. They blend in. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I suppose they probably did back then. It seems silly now, of course, but. Oh, yeah, I had the tips back then. Mm-hmm. You know, the blonde tips. All frosty up there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no, it was a great concert. And actually, he, his stuff was real kind of slow and prodding. And mm-hmm. uh, he really turned it into a rock concert. It was great. It was a three-piece band. He played the bass, which is actually probably good because he was never a great like guitarist, like a shredder or anything. So uh-huh. um, somebody played uh, the guitar and he played the bass. And then there was a, just a pretty simple kit. Uh, to the side there, but they made cool. a lot of noise and, uh, it sounded really, sounded really good. And I, I think that Pedro the Lion has something to do with indie music, kind of pre indie music. I, I hate to, um, inform the listeners and, and maybe yeah, God you. forbid we ever inform anyone about anything, but I, I kind of <laughs> feel like indie music was, um, born out of some sort of weird emo Christian kind of punk thing around that time. And of course, well, alternative music like uh, Pearl Jam and stuff. I'm going to need to take some time with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but there is, there's this, this, that emotionalism. Uh, yeah. You, you can hear it. You can hear it in, da- in Page of the Lion. All right. Especially well, when they I, jazz it up a bit. It's all jazzed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've not been to a nostalgic concert uh, before. Uh, what I would call a nostalgia concert. You know, go, going to U2 now or even Pearl Jam. or mm-hmm. Although Pearl Jam never stopped and came back. So I guess you can't really call them a nostalgic act. Yeah, they have to I leave they, for a while. And I think come that back, they right? qualify. Well, because U2 didn't ever go away either. But you No, would still, I guess that's true. I guess they still kept... qualify them. They're just not relevant. No, I think no. that's the issue. The thing you have to get over is everyone looking like you. There's something about, uh, we were laughing because it was a 16 and over concert. I was like, that's hilarious. I had 16 and over. Um, yeah. Probably just because of the content. But like, what 17 year old is being like, yeah, Page of the Lion. Other than maybe my dad played Page of the Lion all the time. So now I'm going to go yeah. see him. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, what's a 16 year old doing at that concert? And there weren't any. It was all mid 30s. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, guys that just grew up in high school and college being like, yeah, Page of the Lion, he swears, but he kind of still believes in God. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. I wonder what I wonder what the youngest person there was, what their story is. It's got to be fascinating. Well, uh, this is my guess, that it was a youth pastor uh, that uh, was now dating one of his uh, ex um, youths in the group. Yeah. <laughs> She just graduated high school, and so he decided that, you know, they're going to date now, and which happens more than you would want it to. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard Uh, of that happening before. Yeah, so I think that girl um, that has recently started dating her youth pastor was the youngest girl at the... I think that's a fair guess. That's a fair guess. So probably a solid 18. Yeah. Uh, Maybe 17. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we just won't tell anybody until you're 18. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly a young senior. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. Um, 
so the the band this week is uh, Beach House. We're gonna do it last week, but we did our um, Scott Hutchinson. Saw saw quite a few uh, Frightened Rabbit T-shirts at the concert. Oh, at the show. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, good. So kind of in solidarity, I felt like. Excellent. Yeah. So we did that, and so now we're gonna do uh, Beach House Seven. It came out last week. We could have done it last week, right? It came out yeah. last Friday. Yeah, yeah. Or the Friday before last, once this airs. Yeah. Like, that'll be a really difficult math for anyone to figure out. <laughs> but. So, um, well, before we get into it, I'll, I'll read uh, from Spin uh, here. The Baltimore-based duo comprised of Victoria Legrand and Alex Scaly have produced tremendous works brimming with sparse, spindly synths and earworm melodies. But on Seven, the group's shortest, most accomplished and confident record, Beach House has finally leaned into the sheer force of their music. There were hints of this before, most notably on 2015's Depression Cherry, a masterful nine-song collection hearkening back to the minimalism of their earliest work, like the self-titled debut, and their winsome sophomore record, Devotion. Sparks, Depression Cherry's lead single, promised something new and more propulsive bubbling just under the surface. On Bloom and Teen Dream, the group perfected their affinity for nostalgia-laden songs. But on Seven, those sonic elements melded into their purest form, proving a group more than a decade into the industry can still experiment on their records. If Beach House exhibited timidness in their construction and execution of their past music, they've abandoned this notion on Seven, a short, precise album, which is equal parts inventive and masterful. All right. Where do you stand on Beach House? <laughs> yeah, so um, I was going to say I, I picked Spin, this one, um, in particular, because there was really mixed reviews on this. Some people just felt like it was super formulaic. They were like, this uh -huh. is, you know, just what Beach House does. I don't see anything interesting on this album. And there's not even, like, the hooky bangers that I loved uh, from Beach House on, like, Bloom and Teen Dream. And then other people feel like it's, like, this experimental, nuanced thing that just has, like, pushed their brand to kind of a next level. Uh-huh. So, have but God, well, have you been a fan of them? I mean, they're if you're like real into indie music, like we are, there you have obviously listened to all of it. Mm -hmm. I it? how do you feel about them? I really liked Bloom and Teen Dream. I and I came in mm -hmm. on Bloom and Teen Dream. I yes. have not even probably listened to the first two records. I was actually surprised that they had. Seven, which is the I name did of this not one. know that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, that uh, surprised me. But so Bloom, Teen Dream, and then I did listen to a little bit of Depression Cherry, but it wasn't as like poppy, I guess is the best way to put it, mm -hmm. um, as Bloom and Teen Dream. There's like some uh, what I would call what I joked about in the um, intro as like dream pop. Yeah, um, I think it's a Spotify <laughs> playlist. That's where I saw that first. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but what I would, what I would say is they're like their poppiest stuff was is the stuff that I really really loved. Yes, I one hundred percent agree. 
So eh, I was like, and eh, depression cherry. And then this one I really, I really like, but for a different reason. I like this a lot too. I, I, if I were to recap my beach house fandom, I would pretty much just repeat what you just said. So I'm not going mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, I am very much with you on that, but like this like genre of music in general is kind of hard. It doesn't stick with me very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like atmospheric, ethereal pop type music. Cause it just always seems to me that it's music you can't just sit down and really just engage with just the music. It seems like this should be a soundtrack to something. Do you know what I mean? There needs to be a, like a visual aspect or something. Because it's like me- so meandering and dreamy that I can't mm-hmm. just pay attention to it. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. That um, on uh, YouTube they have the full album stream, and it's like this um, visualizer, right? <laughs> Back mm-hmm. in the day from iTunes, but it's just black and white stripes, and it's kind of mesmerizing, but it's hard to look at continually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I get I get what you um, are saying. I, I this is. It's kind of how I used to listen to Sigurós albums. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, does anyone really like just listen to Sigurós albums? I don't trust people that claim that they do, but that's the, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I can't do it. It sounded it, it, the music is so great in the background. Like, just put it on and yeah. uh, do whatever you're normally doing, and it's like a great soundtrack. Uh, just for life. There's all these highs and lows of all this instrumentation and stuff. It's just real lush. Uh, yeah. And I, I see, I see this album kind of as that, and there are some really, really great moments on it. Uh, to be sure there's still like these beach house moments from the bloom and teen dream era. Mm. But for the most part, it, it all kind of blends together. And I like that. It's kind of like a composition, uh, yeah, and that's why I, I I feel like it's appropriate just to number it, kind of how they you know, Beethoven's number five or you know fifth symphony symphony or something like that. This is like seventh record. It's yes. more compositional, so it feels feels right. Well, and I feel like all that being said, um, there's a lot going on with this album, so it's going to take more time before I can definitively say this. But as of right now, I think this is my favorite one. Favorite of theirs. Of theirs. Okay. I think is it's the most engaging. It's the easier it's easiest for me to focus on this mm-hmm. one as opposed to just like drifting around in the background. I mean there's still moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be listening to this for our podcast, and that's kind of hard to do sometimes. <laughs> now I was I fell victim to really kind of picking out the songs that I loved on Bloom and Team Dream. That's what made it yeah. feel real poppy to me. That, like, the poppiest kind of albums, you usually are just skipping to the the hits a lot of times. Yes, yes. Um, but th- this one felt really. It's nice and tight, so you really can mm-hmm. um, uh, move right through it pretty quickly. I, I there are some songs that I think, oh man, you could really probably like burn this out to like a seven minute song, but they just didn't. They just kind of moved on. Yeah, absolutely. So I picked um, four songs to talk about. Uh, well, actually, you picked the the woo, and we both agree the woo, and we the both woo. agreed on dive. 
but I wanted to start at the beginning um, with Dark Sprain. This is from Spin again. It sets the new precedent within the first few seconds with a spattering of propulsive percussion. It's an immediate spark, one that introduces listeners to, if not a new beach house, certainly a unique one. As the track's hyper-layered synths and guitar envelop the listener in a wall of sound, it is clear that Seven is an album of sonic experiments for a group only touching on those instrumental elements in the past. So I, I really agree with that because I think this is much more about the instruments, much more about the background yes. than it is about the kind of the, the hooky lyrics and the, the hooky choruses that you get in Bloom and Teen Dream. Yeah. And uh, yeah, within those first few seconds, like they were talking about those drums, I was like, oh, maybe I'm in for something a little different. Mm-hmm. I, I was like more engaged than I expected to be like right from the start. Uh, like I may have drifted off uh, other points in the album, but the way it starts off is like, oh, wait a minute. This might be a little different. And I, and I like it. I like that propulsiveness to it. Did you hear a little bit of what I'll call modern national at that start? Because it had kind of the drums and like very much so with the drums, uh, kind of like um, orchestral kind of sense. But yeah, Mm -hmm. something like high violet and beyond trouble will find me felt real trouble will find me at the beginning. Yes, I totally agree with that. But yeah, it's it's much more um, on kind of like repetitive theme and variation kinds of things and not hooky at all, uh, which is kind of what I graduated. The the really cool thing about this too, and and kind of once you kind of reset your mind for it, there's this uh, like real grizzly bear feeling to like the middle half of the song. Just how the guitars come in to that kind of national start. Uh, it sounds so good. And if you're looking for Bloom or, or Teen Dream, this will be disappointing. But if you're thinking more about like Grizzly Bear, Deer Hunter, that kind of stuff, it, it sounds really nice. Uh, yeah, it does. And <clears throat> that, that's one of the reasons I was more intrigued immediately is because... Like Deer Hunter and Grizzly Bear bands that actually like stick with me, you know. I'm like, oh, this is this is way more on my level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is it's just super full of sound and interest. And what I really like about the start is that it flows right into this uh, '90s shoegaze slacker rock kind of song and pay no mind. Yes, yes, has a has a great kind of lead in with that like um, bass fuzz, mm-hmm. uh, super fuzzy. And then it just has like a single sweet kind of hook, um, sweet and sorrowful, much like Beach House is normally. Yeah, I, I've, written, I've found the vocals to be a lot more uh, engaging than I normally do with this band on this song. Yeah. Yeah, the the first one, you know, the 
the vocals are, are just kind of real integrated. And this one, um, it's very whispery and the, the, the lyrics kind of become another instrument uh, and just flow mm -hmm. really well. Uh, it's great counterpoint to track one. I just, just love it. And it's just got a great, lovely, lovely little chorus. Uh, it's very memorable. That, you, you know, you can still hear that they can write a hook. almost catchy in the way that like a radio single might be mm. yeah e even if it's not the same tempo you would expect yeah yeah it's more of a dreamy lullaby tempo <laughs> no but i i love it when there are like disparate um pairings of songs at the, right at the beginning of an album I, they come out real hard and then they go soft or sometimes they come out real soft and then they break into something super hard, which has happened to us a couple of bands ago. Uh, I noted it. I can't remember which one. <laughs> Someone knows. <laughs> Not me, but, certainly. Yeah. No. <laughs> I try to forget everything I say right after I say it. So I can't I don't be held try, accountable. I just do. Yeah. Then you just can't be held accountable. I didn't say that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> yeah, it's important to establish that uh, in your character so that people don't <laughs> expect more of you. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, we didn't talk about Lemon Glow, which is the third one. But do you feel like this is kind of like the most beach housey of all the songs? It um, yes, it, and thus the least interesting to me, probably on the album. Right? Yeah, and it, it's gotten the most. Um, listens and the most views and stuff you can kind of tell it's kind of the well it was one of one the like the three pre-releases they did off of this i think they did three yes yes well and um i noted that because in um the spin where they described dive they talked about it as a promotional single for the record i think that's nice we were always like trying to get what those yeah they're not singles because you know singles used to be released as a single Right. Well, in, you know, on like a smaller, you know, format or something, but promotional singles, that makes sense that you just, I'm going to give you a little teaser, just the tip. It's what you do. songs they did that with because mm -hmm. it could be like beach house like diehards be like oh yes this is what i love which yeah, is fine you... it's just not total and I, I feel like i sounded too negative i don't think it's bad i don't think really anything they ever do is bad it's just not really for me yes they have high craft on all of their songs and yeah i 
I think that Lemon Glow could fit on a lot of their other albums. And <laughs> what I'm so interested about this album is how unique it is. And so anything yes. that is more like, oh, this is what I remember of Beach House is probably something I won't clue in on as much. Yes, totally agree. Uh, so the next one we picked was uh, Dive, which was one of their promotional uh, yeah. singles, uh, along with Lemon Glow. Um, and Spin says it's the perfect example of the old beach house blending with the beach house of today. I, I think that is exactly dead on. That's exactly what I thought, too. It's kind of the heart of the, the record, and it, and it kind of mm-hmm. holds the past and the future. In yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to it when it was a, a promotional. What is it? Promo- I already promotional forgot. Promotional single for the record. Promotional single for the record. Um, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I listened to it whenever it came out or right around when it came out. And uh-huh. um, man, it got me a lot more excited for this uh, album than I was before. Mm-hmm. Like again, I knew I was like, this is probably gonna be quite good, and I'll enjoy it, and then I'll probably forget about it. But hearing this song, I was like, oh, oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, because it, it kind of takes you by surprise because the first part is a slow burn, a grower. I don't know if I'm using that correctly. But no, I think you are. I think you're just hung up on the whole penis issue. <laughs> yeah, I just can't get that out. Because I other, still, I think it's accurate what you're saying. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Then I've read it in a couple other. Reviews. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a word people use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still gonna make me giggle, I guess. <laughs> kind of like when somebody says facial, I always laugh too. <laughs> facial. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to get a facial. <laughs> get your facial right here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Um, no, but it's a gr- it's a grower. It kind of builds, you know, like the synth and the layers. Um, it builds behind like these dreamy vocals that have like this weird echo on it. Yeah, um, very pretty the vocals in this one. I mean, yeah. that's something they do a lot, but yeah, just that stood Super out like, to me on this. Okay, one. Beach House, I'm I'm digging this. And then like halfway through, a guitar rocker just starts up and kind of takes over um, the whole dreamy beginning. Like the beginning's still there, but. The, the the like the guitar rocker song is just kind of like over top of it and yeah and totally the, like and the drums out. in there too sound mm-hmm. fucking great For me, that this is like that. This is the most exciting like stretch in a Beach House song that I've ever heard. Like yeah. That, 
That's the point where I was most like, oh, fuck yes, this is really good. I think it's the only time I've done that with this band. No, and there's, um, I was listening to that uh, band, The Holy. They've got a couple of EPs out, mm-hmm. kind of waiting around for them to put out an actual record. But they, they this is their whole deal. Like, we're going to build this song into this giant crescendo. And they try it every song. They try to do this. But a band that doesn't always do that is uh, Beach House. And, and so it, like, totally took me off guard. That I was like, it just went to this huge place. I was like, oh, man, this is so nice. Right? I I feel like this would be like the best moment at the concert if you were to see them live. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like two songs in one and those those songs mm-hmm. that kind of meld together perfectly. The guitars are are great. It's more about the music and the instrumental, especially on the back end, the kind of repetitive lyrics that um never really get going into some sort of like grand narrative. It's just kind of they're there because songs need lyrics, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I in some in some parts of this um record I I feel like that they were just way more interested in the music and they just added lyrics because songs <laughs> need lyrics. And so they're kind of more repetitive and sound more like they're just playing an an instrument. Yeah, which I I mean I guess that's what I like then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure again, I'll give it some more listens, but I think, I think this is probably my favorite song that they've ever done. Oh, that's nice. That'd be hard for me to say. I, I like some of those. Uh, I feel like one of my problems with like sing to off of bloom I, and teen dream, you know, I like, I like to sing to songs. What's that song off of bloom? Um, is it myth? Is myth the big one? I think well, something whatever. like that, but it's what, whatever it is. It's like the beach house song. Everyone's heard it. That song actually got to the point where I have just heard it too many goddamn times. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. If that, if that happens to any song, no matter how good it is. Yeah. Um, yes, you're right. Myth. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> um, but if that, that could happen to the best song. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been in my brain compiling a whole list of songs I never need to hear again, and it has nothing to do with their quality at all. Yeah. Songs the internet ruined for me. Well, not really even the internet. Because <laughs> we're old enough that I think the radio ruined them before yeah. the internet even existed. No, I get that. I get that. Okay, so you wanted to talk about one more woo. 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 Uh, a lot of these songs on the back half um, like fit really nicely into each other. So I, I, I was having a hard time picking one because um, th- they kind of felt like they blended in to each other mm-hmm. so nicely. I was never always quite aware of when I was listening to a new song. But Woo was number nine. And this it, w- go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, Huh? Huh? We both said go ahead at the same time. Um, What's the protocol? (laughs) I think we go by height. Okay, so you you edge me out. (laughs) Um, This one has some nostalgic sounds that we're kind of more familiar with um, to me. That's all I was going to say. Oh, okay. (laughs) I have other things to say, but that was going to be my lead. That's your lead? Yeah.
like this one is like I feel like the poppiest song on the album. Do you think that's correct? Yeah, which is why it feels more familiar to me. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it reminds me of like the old Beach House songs that I got really into. Mm -hmm. Has a Um, nice melody, a nice chorus. It kind of just bounces back and forth between those, adds a bridge. It's very much less experimental, especially in how it um, sets everything up. it it sounds it sounded a little soundtracky to me or like uh, Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy like um, yeah I talk about Grey's Anatomy I should I really need to kind of I know people are gonna uh, think you're like a super fan no I just mean that stupid uh, <laughs> sappy drama that yeah plays on people's emotions by using really great songs in like the perfect place. You know what I think is probably a more socially acceptable TV show to reference, but kind of does the same thing? Give it to me. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. We're getting a little farther up. You got to pivot. <laughs> it's still a few years ago, but yeah, I agree with you. I think they they uh, they worked some, some sappy moments by kind of... Uh, Bending some with some uh, like legit good music. They played a lot of Wilco on that show. Yes, I mean it's like legit good music, and Mm -hmm. that's why that scene is so great. Not because of the actors, (laughs) not because of the script, not because of the show. (laughs) The fucking music. But I like another thing I like to this Woo song is those uh, synths, especially in the beginning, that Mm -hmm. kind of come back throughout the song. Remind me a lot of uh, the knife and/or Fever Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I really enjoyed, especially in such like a bubbly, poppy song. It was kind of fun to hear it in that context. Yeah, I, the the basic song stays intact, but there are electronics that kind of come in and out and, and do some interesting things. And, of course, it ends in a round, so, I mean, you know, me in a round. I know you in a round. <laughs> I, like, I like myself a round. We're there <laughs> singing in different parts of the song, but together mm-hmm. and hope it's together. Love that. It's terrific. I love this song. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is my second favorite song on the album. What was the first? Dive. Dive. Yeah. Yeah, you said dive and it's just so pleasant to listen to, mm-hmm. like the best pop songs are. I really love that pain no mind. But um the last thing I was gonna say about Woo is that I, I think that if everything was like this, I would be a little more critical of them. Um I think that's fair. Because it all wouldn't come off like this. They if they were shooting for this song. And they have, you know, 11 songs. They may have hit it four times out of 11. And I'd be like, eh, mm-hmm. they're just getting a little formulaic. But I, I think this is this is the exact opposite of formulaic, in my mind, this record. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I like this song on the record, and I like its placement where it is on the record. It's this nice little moment of like, oh, yeah, I forgot. These guys can be really fucking catchy and poppy, and they're really yeah. good at it. Right near the end, kind of bringing you back. All right, well, I think that does it for us this time. Check out uh, Beach Houses 7 uh, and tell us what you think on Twitter. Mention at the Radio Cure Pod. And as always, uh, follow the link in the show notes to our website. Uh, that'll be where all of the music and reviews that we use in this episode. Until uh, next time, I've been Nathan Seal. With me was Jeremy Cohen. Thanks for listening to the Radio Cure. Bye. Put your put your shit on moon. I heard phones buzzing. Were you try? Were you calling a cat? Were you cat calling at some point I, in time? <laughs> I well, here's what happened. 
Julie is in here animating. Ah. Uh, Julie's got to put it on the moon, too. She, yeah, I'm going to tell her when we take a break. And then and then she was making a racket, too. And I, I did the finger snap to get her attention because she has headphones oh, on. girls don't like and, that. And she like, well, she looked back and looked very apologetic. So I think it went okay. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Good. <laughs> Sarah always gets mad at me when I put my fingers up and snap at, like, our waitress or something. I mean, that's fucked up. That should, you, no one should ever do that. <laughs> it's con- context sensitive. Con- context sensitive. Okay. okay. 